Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, November 7th, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we talk about cross-device user experiences at Disney, image analysis with ice cream, image optimization with Squish 2, and Kelly's favorite surgeon. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Hello. Hello. I sound so good. Oh, that's good. Yes. Been plagued by audio difficulties the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I upgraded to Yosemite, so huh. maybe that maybe that fixed it. Wow. Well, it sounds great. So that's good. You're welcome, dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I must say this is the first time I've upgraded my Mac OS without it breaking my. Um, C compiler that I used uh, to compile RubyGems. So nice. I was pleased with that. Wow. Maybe they've turned a corner. Yeah. And um, Yosemite has uh, Ruby 2 by default. It's a slightly out of date, but it's nowhere near as out of date as it used to be. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was pretty bad before. Well, that's good. Good news for Apple people. Mm-hmm. How's the eyeball? Uh, the eyeball is good. The eyeball is really good. Excellent. Um, I had kind of not realized how bad my vision had gotten until suddenly it was better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah, that. it was such a such a gradual decline before, mm-hmm. but it's it's doing really good. Um, you know, I, I it took a beating yesterday, so mm-hmm. I yeah, it gets I get tired easily. But yeah, I figure figure a weekend of rest and I I should be good to go. Sweet. Excellent. Well, we'll try to keep things audio today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, this week I had a uh, big trip to Disney. Yes. Yeah, so I was speaking at BDConf on Wednesday in Orlando and figured, hey, how hard could it be to just bring the family along and spend five days at Disney? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty Famous intense. Last words. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it had the uh, desired effect on the four-year-old in particular. Oh, he was... Yeah, there's got some, we got some hilarious video, tons of great pictures, um, tons of highlights, uh, but I don't need to go into that on the podcast. But uh, one thing I did notice that might be of interest to people, mm-hmm. as I was walking around, we went to um, the Harry Potter thing at Universal, which was utterly jaw-dropping. It was so amazing. <laughs> and um, univer- outside of that, Universal is nothing to write home about. But um, mm. we also went to Epcot and Disney. And, and just like not even trying, I noticed at least a dozen really compelling, discreet, cross-device um, computing experiences, I guess. Mm-hmm. There were a lot. They're doing lots of stuff there. Um, obviously, the magic band for opening up your hotel room and paying for things and getting into the park. And they've got like a fingerprint reader and enter pin numbers for different things. And it's like, it's, it's pretty rad how much mileage they get out of this. Basically just an RFID strapped to your wrist. Yeah. Uh, So that was really cool. But there were lots of other, like that's the most obvious one, but there are tons of other ones. They have like scavenger hunts where they just give you a windows phone and like, you you know, you go around and do this Phineas and Ferb scavenger hunt and the phone actually controls like physical objects in real space. And 
uh, there's just a ton of examples. And oh, that's cool. Yeah, I I feel like um, I feel like the retailers could learn a lot from the way Disney has integrated all of these different things to create a really compelling physical space experience that someone like oh I don't know Amazon couldn't compete with. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because online shopping is so easy now. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now that now that uh, Amazon Echo has been announced. Did you see that? Oh. I have not looked into it much at all because, you know, I had just been zapping the eyeball with lasers. True. So I wasn't doing a lot of reading last night. But <laughs> Right. But, yeah. I mean, uh, have, have you read much about it? I watched the video and I read the promo page. And it's right now it's basically Google Now from Amazon in, in a dedicated Bluetooth speaker. Yeah. Which is really interesting. It Obvi- is. Obviously, what where it doesn't do this yet. Apparently, according to the according to the promo materials, it doesn't do this yet. But obviously, it's going to be like you know, Amazon order me new diapers or whatever. And it'll yeah. Say, you know, well, they're going from one click purchase to no click purchase. Yeah. Um, but right now, it does the typical <laughs> Google Now stuff. That could make for some really expensive and interesting drunken house parties. Totally. <laughs> Yeah. I've already one click is already dangerous enough when you're drunk. Right. Right. It's so true. Yeah, twelve twelve gallons of mouthwash. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I need that now. Yeah. Who put all these little socks on my teeth? I know. <laughs> I, I may I may have ordered twelve gallons of mouthwash once. <laughs> <laughs> Still working on that. It doesn't go it bad, arrived. Does it? <laughs> no, I hope not. It arrived <laughs> like what in the world? Yeah, that's like the reverse of the Stonehenge scene in Spinal Tap, <laughs> where they they do they they mistake uh, inches for feet, and then like, this, this teeny little Stonehenge model descends onto the stage. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Danger of being crushed by a midget. Um, so lot lots of really interesting cross device experiences down in Disney. Um, the oh, we already finished that. Uh, no, we we're talking about Echo. <laughs> It's it's probably the baby crying in the background that's got just pulled me back to the Disney she, experience. She seems she seems not happy. She's been happy all morning. I figured oh. we were safe, but I guess it's probably nap time actually. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, Echo is basically um, it's it's a straight up rip off of Google Now or Siri mm-hmm. uh, or I guess Cortana or there, I, I heard over the weekend or at BDConf I heard that there's an open source one called I think Jasper. Yeah, I think I'd heard about this, like whispers of that, but I didn't, you know, not enough to really get any information about it. Yeah, that's exciting. I got to look yeah. into that. But, um, but yeah, voice control is large and in charge these days. So yeah, yeah, the you know, the open source one is really interesting because you could create something that's entirely custom to your personal needs. Yeah, I, I, like you could just have voice control for your house. Mm, yep. So it, it one one imagines that Google is working furiously on something similar that plugs into your house, you know, that's always on in your house because they bought yeah. Nest and uh, who owns, Philip still owns Hue, but mm-hmm. it would be so cool to have one of these that like, like if APIs were available for all these things, or if you want to route through uh, if this, then that, or Zapier or whatever, mm-hmm. it would be pretty sweet like the the video of amazon echo does a really good job of sort of telling the story and showing the use case because it's it's obviously it's you know most people aren't going to be like oh i totally need that but yeah uh, 
Maggie doesn't need it. No, Maggie doesn't. No, she's not into that. I, maybe we could set it up for that scream to order new diapers automatically. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Usually means there's a soiled one in the vicinity. <laughs> vicinity. Uh, so anyway, very excited about that. I asked for an invite. It's ninety nine dollars for Prime members, and I will let nice. everyone know if it's if it's uh, if it sucks or is awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna follow my my general um, pattern with these sorts of things, which is wait until you spend money on it first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I, someone on Twitter said, uh, "Does Amazon think they're fooling anyone by putting all those Fire phones inside of a black tube?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, this is a much this is a much smarter play for Amazon than a stupid phone. The phone it is, was yeah. the phone. Anyway, the phone uh, might have been okay if they had priced it reasonably. It, they should it should have been yeah. I I, I mean it I, I, been, the phone should have been ninety nine bucks for Prime members. Yeah, and it should have had WhisperNet. It it should have had no carrier mm-hmm. and uh, whatever. I've ranted about it that plenty. Um, for sure. Um. Cool. So let's jump into housekeeping. That sound good? Sounds good to me. Sounds good to Maggie. Sounds good to Maggie. <laughs> um, that should just be our transition between sections, like a shriek. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, Castbacker is still in <laughs> sign-up mode, unfortunately. Yeah. Had kind yeah, of a lot going on this week, so. Yeah, kind of got away from us. Mm-hmm. But I did go and shut off the, I shut off access to the um, uh, Rails Rumble site. Yeah. So if you go to castbacker.com, you'll just get the sign-up page. You get redirected to the sign-up page. So it, that that makes the most sense until we get it live. Right, right. Which really won't be too much work. We just have to no, get it to won't. it. No, it won't. We just have to do Yeah. Um, in other news, I'm thinking about doing another live redesign of my website. Mm-hmm. Which I did like um, a year or two ago, while I was at a BD conference, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. And uh, um, it was super fun, and a lot of people were kind of following along. And so I'm thinking about doing it again, and also like making the GitHub repo live, so people can go through and actually um, go see the commits and the different changes I make and the progress, I, the the path I take through the development. So yeah, if people might be interested in that. Yeah, so you can go uh, back later and look Twitter. through the Git history. Right, yeah, exactly. So you don't have to actually watch it the whole time, but you could go back and be like, huh, that's what a from-scratch CSS redesign looks like. Uh, so that might be fun. And in similar news, I recently uh, put up a new training page. So if people are interested in having me come show up in person and do um, training on basically responsive web design and uh, phone gap and the, basically the approach to modern web development. Um, you can take a look at jonathanstark.com slash training. And uh, I would love to come and teach you all about it. Awesome. So that should be, hopefully that'll be popular with folks. Yes. And, and rumor has it that you teach it well. So <laughs> people seem to, people <laughs> seem to like it. People seem to like it. Yeah, there are testimonials. On, I won't honk my own horn, but there are some nice testimonials on that page if you can show to your <laughs> boss. There you go. Uh, cool. So shall we jump into the feature? Uh, yes, let's jump into the feature because we're kind of on a time crunch today since we're recording on, on Friday. Friday. Yeah, but we'll squeeze it in for you folks. Um, so you've been a busy little beaver. Uh, I have been uh, up until the, the whole eyeball zapping the week. Um, yeah, like, like last week was, was very busy for me. Mm. 
So you've got two. I can't remember what we talked about on the show and what we didn't, but... Um, I don't think we've talked about either of them. Okay, sweet. So um, the first is the Rails Rumble entry you would have done if you had gone solo. Uh, yes. <laughs> I could see you had pent-up desire to... No, actually, I didn't. It, well, it's kind of the thing that had been... It had been sort of in the back of my mind for a long time, like probably a year but I just I'd never gotten around to doing it, and and then if you remember when you and I were working on Cashbacker, I said you know I I had told you at one point maybe I'll have it pick the colors from the photo. Oh yeah, photo. that's right. Yeah. and that kind of brought it to the forefront again. Interesting. So Kelly made ice cream. I made ice cream because everyone loves ice cream. It's <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> and what do it do? Ice cream uh, is a little little app that lets you upload a photo. And it will take that photo and it will sample it and say, you know, here's the here's the twelve most popular colors in the photo, and it shows you like their percentile distribution and gives you a, them as as color swatches and and you can select which ones you want to keep and which ones you want to discard and and then you can also sample colors from like the most commonly used. I think two hundred and fifty six is is what I'm pulling right now. Mm-hmm. And, and add new swatches and what have you, and, and build color palettes based on the, fo- the photo you've uploaded. Yeah, it's super, it's super convenient. And I've, I've often, this has actually happened to me where in the real world I'll see like a sign or something or like some kind of display at a store and be like, oh, I love that color palette. And like now you could literally just pull out your phone, go to icecream.kellyshaver.com, take a, like hit the upload button, your camera comes up, take a picture of the physical display and then two seconds later you've got like the html color codes for everything yeah yeah it gives you the html color codes as as hex values as rgb values and it it just like it spits them in a text box so you can just copy them it Mm. also lists them with the swatches but then it it lists them out next to each swatch but then at the end it also just gives you like a, a text box dump of of hex codes and rgb codes for easy copying and then it also generates an adobe swatch file yeah, that's so cool. So you can just pop it right into Photoshop. Yeah. I, or wherever. Photoshop, uh, Illustrator, or, or anything else that uses the uh, Adobe Swatch Exchange format. Mm. Unfortunately, Acorn does not. I tried sadly. it. Yes, sadly, oh. Acorn does not. I don't think they have swatches at all. So, I mean, the, the color picker, I think, is mm-hmm. native to the OS. I'm not sure where that color ah. picker comes from, but I think it's a native OS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a I had a bug in there at at one point where it wasn't generating some of the swatch files correctly some of the time, and I, I believe I fixed that now. So mm. okay, I'll try it again. That would be good. I I was a little bit surprised by it, but uh, that it didn't work because they're, they're it's, it opens PSDs. So yeah. Um, anyway, I'll leave I, it another try. No, that you know that that might be that might be a proprietary format, but. You know, there's all kinds of open source libraries for generating the swatch files, so I surely, mm. surely something out there other than Photoshop uses it. Oh, right. see, Maggie's quiet now. Elvis is going. <laughs> Get the peanut gallery this week. Yeah. Um, cool. So that is this is I don't want to say surprisingly useful, but considering that it was something that you did fairly quickly. Um, yeah. Well, I, I had the I had the color picking script. Um, and the color picking part of it uh, had been done for a while, actually, back when um, back when I was working on on time on the time project, um, like 
I mean, Kevin Hoffman just saying offhand at one point that it would be nice to be able to analyze some of these photos and pull out colors. Mm-hmm. And and just on a whim, I I wrote the the color analyzing script then, and it was just a just a standalone Ruby script. It's been been in my my gists on GitHub for probably a year. <laughs> mm. So. Yeah, and did you? I th- you must have used it in Sticky too, where we do that thing that if they pick a background photo that doesn't have enough contrast to show the color, or no, 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 if they no, pick a background color that's not different enough from the foreground color, it warns them. Yeah, well, that's not analyzing any photos or anything. It's just comparing the color values that they've chosen. I see. So. That's yeah, easy. You just, you just, you, yeah, you just do some color, just do some math. And some color math. Color math. It turns out, I like math is not my strong suit, but it turns out I'm really good at color math. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there you have it. Um, yeah, so that's ice cream. I'm, it's just, I, it's super fun to use. <laughs> yeah, it is really fun. And it's, it's not, it's not like social, but you can see everybody's other, Yeah. you know, and share yeah, and you, and you stuff. don't have to have an account or anything. You just. Yeah, it's just wicked easy. Works on phones. Works on it. it. Just it just works. It's awesome. Very fun. And I saw that you generated the uh, icons in web app capable. <laughs> I did. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Cool. I was like, yes, because I hate that part. Because I'll get the app done. And I'm like, oh, now I have to make a dozen icons. I know it's so tedious. I know it's like, and I I normally don't do it because it's just like, oh, it's so it's annoying. Worse. I know. But yeah, and now I'm just like. And it's done. <laughs> yeah, it's so sweet. I'm even. I love it. I, the one thing that I want to add to it is to give it a little HTML snippet that has all of the paths already done. So you oh, just yeah, copy yeah. that. So that's webappcapable.com if you feel like checking that out. That's um, awesome. <laughs> um, but you also made Squish 2, which, like, I know what it is, but how did you, like, f- describe what it is and what it does and why it's important. And then, yes. and then I'm super curious about how you did it. Yeah, Squish 2 is it's like really fun. It turned out to be a, a very short script, but I'm pretty proud of it. Um, Squish 2 is a paperclip processor that takes JPEG images and compresses them down to at or below a specified file size. Yes, hence Squish, squish 2. Squish 2, right. yes. So, for, I mean, for some photos, that could be 98% quality. For others, it could be 60% quality. Who know? You know, it depends on the photos. Yeah, it depends on a lot of things. It depends yeah. on how many colors are in the photo. It depends on how well they compress. It's it's surprisingly complicated. Yeah. Well, it, it's I shouldn't say surprisingly complicated. It's surprising to me that there's a lot of variables that, that affect how, how. Yeah. Yeah, it's surprising to me that it's not. This isn't a feature that's built into like Image Magic. Like to be able to say yeah. like here's a here's a picture, here's a photo, a digital photo of certain dimension, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. I would need the file size to be under 300K. I want to change nothing but the file size, and I'm going to do that by compressing it, by using some level of compression, and I don't want to overcompress it. Right. The file has to be under 300K, or whatever it is, 700K, whatever whatever the thing is, because the threat, you know, you need, you want the quality to be as high as possible. Yeah. So you don't want to just blanket add whatever 90% quality to everything if they don't need it, you know, so... Yeah, it's it's this is great. This is great for mobile. Great for responsive. Yeah, Squish Two default is five hundred K, but it's easily configurable. Sure, and five hundred K is like like testing uh, with Sticky. We've done tons of performance testing with Sticky because mm-hmm. it's a for product for product. It's easy for me to say. <laughs> 
because it's a product for photographers. So they want the quality to be really high, but they also want the apps to load really fast. So you've got this tension between file size and quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've done a lot of testing and, um, and found that, um, I think we settled on 700 K was the perfect balance of, of, um, at least on the, on the phones and up to like seven inch size tablets. If we send a 960 wide, 960 longest edge image, that's, a, that's no more than 700 K it's really fast. Mm. And it performs well in the browser and uh, on on phones. Yeah, so. I may need to up the settings a bit then in the in the app. I think I've, I've got it up on staging. I may have to up it from five hundred to seven hundred. I'm going to leave five hundred as the default for the library. But. Yeah, 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 cool. I think seven hundred is where we we pegged it at um, uh, on B one on the original builder. Cool. Um, so ha- so like, what is it? It's like a ru- so. You, you mentioned Paperclip, but mm-hmm. I don't know if everyone knows that Paperclip is... Paperclip is the, a RubyGem uh, by ThoughtBot for managing file attachments. Mm. And we are using it to... We're, we're using it to manage our image uploads. To um, S3. We're, yeah, yeah we're, we're uploading images, processing them, and then shipping them off to S3 for storage. Right, and it does all of that very easily. Yes. It's pretty sweet. And if you want to, if you want to extend it or add some functionality that it doesn't have by default they have what what did you call it it's not a plug-in uh no it's a it's a processor paper that's a and and what it it, that just does your your post-processing after you upload your photo uh you just create a create a directory of paperclip processors in your rails uh lib directory Mm -hmm. and then uh then just include those in your in your paperclip directives in your model Mm -hmm. and it will run through and it will process those through through however many uh, image processors that that you that you have and that you want to. Sweet. So um, it so it's uh, just basically what does it do? Like loop through and check. Yeah, basically it does. Yeah, I had, you know, I had really wanted to try and find some more efficient way of doing it because that can have performance issues if you're uploading really big files. Mm-hmm. Um, because basically. Yeah, like you can't just look at a photo and calculate how much you need to compress it to get it down to this size. Right. I'm sure someone can, but <laughs> but there's there's no like good tools that I could find for doing that. So basically, I'm just yeah. I start at 98% quality and and like oh, is it still too big? Okay, go 96%. Is it still too big? Go 94. Mm. And and yeah, it loops through them. So I mean, it does have limited use cases in that it can it can take can slow down photo processing. Mm-hmm. And, but that's uh, a server side thing. It's yeah, not that's a, a, that's a that's a server side thing. It's not a cl- like user facing issue. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted, if if that was a big concern, you could easily like do like we're doing for other things and put it in some kind of like delayed job or job queue mm-hmm. instead of instead of um like doing it right at the time of upload. You could background it. Right. If that's a big concern. Um, another and, thing that, yeah. sorry, another thing we did yeah. in the original builder to mitigate that mm-hmm. issue was that mm-hmm. the first step was to, to set the, the longest edge dimensions. Yeah. So it was almost every single time when you would, so like the image gets uploaded and, 
you would you would say okay we want the longest edge to be 2048 and after that's done and you know in the dpi um, yeah this like not 300 i, I can't <laughs> yeah but so once yeah. you do that you almost every single time the first compression pass through the loop is the one that that got it under the threshold right right and and with squish too um whether it's going to resize first or not depends on the order in which you run the processors in the model. Mm-hmm. Like if you ru- if you run Paperclip's default thumbnail processor first, mm-hmm. um, which normally you don't have to specify, but if you're adding additional processors, then you do have to specify it in your in your list of processors to run. I see. If you do that first, then it's going to do the resizing before it does everything else. And yeah, I found the same thing. Like I was I was uploading, I was testing it out with JPEG files that were like between one and three megs. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it was ending up uh, with compression anywhere between, typically between um, like ninety two and and ninety eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. So it doesn't go down to like zero. Like, oh, sorry, yeah. we couldn't squish this enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, cool. So I, I am. It does sound kind of niche, so to speak. Yeah, it is a little bit. It like it has limited use cases. But for those times when you need it, it's, I just, I, I love it. It's super, super useful. Yeah. And I, actually the, the most complicated part was just learning all of the paperclip API stuff to, to make it interface with the paperclip gem. Mm. But so if someone wanted to use it, they wouldn't have to deal with that or would they? No, would no, they would? no, okay. no, there's a, we can link to the repo. It's super easy to, to get started and there's instructions in the readme. Awesome. Well, very good. I can hear that the dogs were just returned from their <laughs> stay at Grandpa's yes. house. So <laughs> we just can't win with the background noise this week. So maybe we should call it a show at this point. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't have a lot else. You know, I've just been. Yeah. I, I yeah. Just been getting lasers shot into your Laser shot right in my eye. Yes. Yeah. But I was, I was happy. My, uh, my my favorite surgeon was there and was able to do the procedure. We weren't entirely sure he was going to be there. I thought I might have to have someone else do it, yeah. but he was, and that was just like when I, I walked in and found out he was there, and the nurse asked if I wanted him to do it instead of the other one, and I was just not that I didn't trust the, not that I didn't trust the other one to do it, but you know, go with the one you know, and it was mm. just ah, instantly my stress level was just ah, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that helped. <laughs> awesome, that's great. It's a little alarming that you have a favorite surgeon, but it's nice that you do. <laughs> We're Facebook friends. Oh my! Yeah, that's intense. Yeah, that's actually that's how I tracked him down because he recently switched to, to a new uh, a new practice and what have you. So, <laughs> well, dear listener, hopefully you'd never have to have enough surgery to have a fa- develop a favorite, a favorite surgeon. surgeon. <laughs> but if you do, I guess that's better than not having a favorite. <laughs> Having a least favorite is probably the worst. Yeah, that's that's true. Ugh, I hate this surgeon. Ugh. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> surgeon stinks. Uh, All right, folks, that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.